Welcome to Bruin Success, where we talk to UCLA alumni and explore the many paths to success beyond UCLA. I'm your host, Katie Russo, and today I'm excited to be joined by Kathy Choi, Senior Director of Programs at the Eisner Foundation. Before joining the Eisner Foundation, she spent six years as a program officer with the California Community Foundation. In addition, she serves on the UCLA Alumni Association Board of Directors. Kathy graduated from UCLA in 1996 with a degree in economics and later earned her master's in public administration from the Maxwell School of Citizenship and Public Affairs at Syracuse University. Kathy, welcome to Bruin Success. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy week to join us today. Thank you for having me, happy to be here. So to kick us off, can you tell us about the mission of the Eisner Foundation and as Senior Director of Programs, what does your role entail? So the Eisner Foundation is a family foundation of Michael and Jane Eisner, and many people will recognize his name as a former CEO of Walt Disney Company for several years. And the foundation is focused on intergenerational solutions to various societal problems. And we try to fight uh, ageism, different segregation issues, as well as how to connect the communities. Uh, And our focus is mostly in Los Angeles County and we give about seven million per year in our competitive grant making. And my role is to help direct the grant making where it goes and I I meet a lot of people across the county. Um, Currently I'm meeting them over Zoom and I go through all the applications and I try to make sure that um, we are listening to all the different issues that are happening in various different communities and I try to make the you know, most uh, educated recommendation as possible to our board. So that's been my role for the past 11 years at the Eisner Foundation. Wow, okay, amazing. Wow, $7 million, that's amazing. Um, so after earning your degree in economics at UCLA, how did you find your way into a career in philanthropy and nonprofit management? And um, kind of the second part to that question is, if what significant experiences along your career path kind of led you to pursue this work? Well, my career um, path hasn't been quite linear, as you probably saw in the rest of my um, background. Right. Um, I actually first started off as a staffer for several elected officials, both local and federal. And that experience led me to understand the true needs of various different communities, not only within the districts that the member was serving, but also several other you know, policy issue areas that needed help. And then I went and worked on a few other um, jobs in government sector, as well as nonprofit management. And then I really wanted to see how I can bridge the gap between all the resources and all the needs out in the community. So eventually I ended up applying for an administration program, public policy program back east. And that's when I got to see and meet different leaders from around the world who are sort of, you know, tackling their issues. And, and I was trying to see how we can maybe learn from their lessons, but at the same time, share the topics and diverse issues that, that I, I saw in, in Los Angeles and Southern California. Um, and eventually when I came, came back to LA, I actually um, really didn't know about philanthropy sector until I got to meet a few of my friends who you know, knew about some of the private philanthropy as well as community foundation world. And they thought that my background in various sector within the public, public space 
made it a unique, I guess, qualified me somewhat. I didn't know exactly what that meant because I really didn't know there was actually a career path. Because when you, when you think about private philanthropy, people think, okay, that's for someone with a lot of money. And, you know, a lot of times it's, it's given out and it's sort of mysterious how those grants are given out. Um, and then, you know, I, I looked at, I had various different um, career path that I could have chosen right after grad school, because originally I wanted to go into public consulting or maybe go, go back to government work. And while I was interviewing for different positions, I actually um, found out about this opportunity at California Community Foundation, which is the second oldest community foundation in the country. And, you know, I just put my name in, didn't even think that I was going to get a call back. And then, you know, when I first got the interview, I was so ex excited to even meet, you know, these people who were running this large, you know, one point something billion dollar organization. Um, so when I went in, I actually had a really wonderful interview. It was more like a conversation, actually, with the vice president at the time of programs. And it was such a great experience to learn all the key investments that they were making. And I felt like their value and what they wanted to do and how they also had the fundraising side to bring more money to invest in these critical issues really resonated with my vision for the community. So um, I actually had to make a decision to you know, pursue, continue pursuing other path because I was actually in various different um, interview stages and you know but I knew that's an opportunity when I got the offer opportunity like that would not come around often enough especially for foundation at the time it was really not as visible in terms of job positions so when I went in I think you know it really helped that I had various different experiences in the community um, at the time I didn't know if that if that was going to help because you know when you look at I think most people when in their 20s you jump around the different jobs and wanting to kind of figure out what, what, you, what you want to do, not really knowing exactly what the end goal was, but I just knew that I wanted to help the community. But I think little by little, it kind of made sense, sense to me. So in hindsight, I could say all those little experiences or you know, different experiences where I helped out with different campaigns or, or legislations, I think that all helped eventually for me to make the right kind of, I guess, analysis and then eventually recommendation to the donors on the true need of the community. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I started out with an economics degree thinking that I was going to go into something related to business. So, but at the same time, I felt like there was a lot of people in business world who also were very concerned about, you know, our society as a whole. And many companies also have corporate social responsibility initiatives. So I, I mean, I always felt a little different than my peers in my econ classes and, you know, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. Classes. but I think more, more than ever, like, especially currently, I think I, when I see more social ventures, other interest areas of other, you know, friends who want to maybe invest in the community, I felt like I made the right decision back then. Yeah, no, definitely. I can resonate with so much of what you said. And I think, like you said, you know, career paths are not linear. And so many people will tell you that and your, your story and your examples, just another is more proof of that. Um, and it is funny how all the little experiences kind of add up to, you know, getting you to where you are today. Um, I think the other thing that so many can relate to from your story is 
um, how you said you didn't know, you know, that careers in philanthropy even existed, right? There's so many, I think when you're in college, you know, you're trying to finish your degree and you're thinking about what you want to do. And like you said, your twenties, you're taking different jobs, to kind of figure out what fits best. And those doors and those experiences you have end up, you know, showing you, Hey, like you can work here or there's organizations that do this. And to your point, I was thinking the same thing as you were talking, like, especially in today's day and age, these companies, you know, have to have corporate social responsibility, you know, professionals that are, you know, if you're bringing in X amount of dollars, how are you making sure that you're supporting your customers or consumers and things like that and investing back in those communities? So I think, yeah, so important. Um, but yeah, really, really appreciated hearing your, your story. Um, so my other uh, question is the impact of COVID-19 on our world has been startling and has changed life as we know it, um, at least for the foreseeable future. However, when we look at COVID's impact on careers and employment, one of the industries hit hardest is the nonprofit and social impact world. Can you share more about how the pandemic has impacted your work or your industry? Well, it definitely has impacted a great deal as we've been watching and responding to the needs of several of our, not only our grantee partners, but other organizations that we, um, you know, communicate with. And we've been getting a lot more requests and some, you know, support for general operating as well as, you know, um, just, just maintaining their, their current programming as more people are asking for support. As, you know, I always tell my, you know, friends, you know, nonprofit professionals are always on the front line. And, and you could see that even more so during this crisis that many of their doors have been open every day and they actually have to extend the hours, especially right now with many um, students sort of going back to school. Many of them do not have the luxury actually to do virtual learning at home because several of their parents, most of their parents still need to go to work and there's no, no one to really guide them along or some of them don't even have the technology. They may have you know, a laptop or tablet that may be distributed through the school district or some other means, but they might not necessarily have the you know, internet connection or Wi-Fi that's needed to be connected all the time. Um, so several of our you know, organizations that we, we are working with, they kept their doors and they're actually creating different learning pods and in which we try to support as much as we can. Um, but during the, the first couple months of this crisis, um, we actually created a rapid response fund on top of our regular grant making just to, just to keep up with the current needs. I think traditional philanthropy, we're sort of used to doing long-term projections or you know, coming up with various different theories of change and how how we can help the communities, but right now I think it's not that's it's, that's not the time to you know have these nicely planned out you know um, goals. I think all of that was sort of like on hold, and I, I mean I, it was really good to see other foundations also stepping up and being more flexible and to understand the what what, what how the nonprofits are adjusting. I know a lot of nonprofits had to furlough their staff or or they're going through layoffs. Um, several organizations that I talked to, they may have the budget um, to make payroll maybe until fall. And some of the ones that got the PPP loans, you know, to sort of, you know, help some of the needs right now, eventually they're gonna have to pay that back if they don't get forgiveness, you know? So there's just, there's just layers of layers of issues that is just overwhelming the nonprofit leaders. 
And I really do worry about the future of the sector, especially in attracting talent, because I know a lot of the emerging leaders, they probably don't, they're, they're probably already burnt out if they started. They're looking for some type of mentoring opportunity, you know, where they can be mentored and learn from. But right now, I think they just, they're just trying to survive. And we're trying our best to invest and make, you know, right kind of investment. And also just trying to be a true partner during this moment, because it's just going to be something that it's going to have an impact in the whole nonprofit industry for the next several years. But they've been holding up the economy as well, you know, for so many years, you know, even before this crisis hit. So I think, I hope that more people could see the value of nonprofit sector and how so many people rely on them because they trust them more so than, you know, other, um, you know, sources because they understand that these nonprofits are for, are, are there as their neighbors, as their community. Um, so, I mean, in a way I have a little bit of a removed, um, I guess, you know, um, position when it comes to, I mean, I'm not out there and on the front line and we're trying to be as, as supportive as possible. Um, but I've been hearing a lot of stories, a lot of Zoom calls, trying to keep up with all the issues because every time you create, you know, or, or plan, like, you know, next week, there could be another goal. So I've, I've been just, you know, trying to just keep on top of everything and not also, and trying to keep positive. I think that's been kind of hard for many of my peers as well, because you're hearing so many bad news, like one day after another. So I think it's also uh, managing also how much of that you take, but understand that you are still making a difference because, you know, I think this is lasting a lot longer than what we originally thought. For sure. Yeah. I think your point, I think it's so true. I, I think from this, I hope too, that so many people realize, like you said, the nonprofits that have been on the front lines and doing, you know, doing this work before even COVID, like you said, but especially in this time to see these nonprofits on the front lines that are, you know, really like in the communities being able to provide resources and support for just these ba these basic necessities that people are needing right now. And so, um, you know, I, I know the work of your foundation, like you said, and getting more requests, I'm sure from organizations and you're doing the best you can. And, um, and yeah, I think to your point, I think there, that's a whole other, that could probably be a whole other conversation is like you said, these emerging leaders and talent who, you know, are either already in the nonprofit world or want to go in there or want to, you know, enter that world. And it's, you know, how are you navigating that right now when there's hiring freezes and all these things? And how do you still, you know, stay motivated, you know, for those causes and things like that? I think, you know, that's a whole other layer to it. But like you said, trying to do, do our best to stay positive and know that, you know, it's, we're going to continue to find ways to get, you know, make this the best out of the situation um, and that people are doing the best they can and providing resources as much as they can. Yeah. I think, you know, this, crisis actually revealed how deep some of these root causes of, you know, these issues are, right? I mean, these are stuff that we knew before, but I think especially for some of the communities, even within LA County, they're like, they, they might be right next to each other, but the gap is so big and wide. And, and then I think some people, for them, it's, it's like a, for people who has, it hasn't been, you know, keeping up in this industry, I guess they, it, it might be a surprise to them, but for many of us who've been 
working in the community, I think it's not a big, it's not a surprise, but at the same time, it is a surprise for us how deep, you know, the, the pain and also, you know, the, the, like how people have been struggling uh, and all the things that are coming down, um, all the relief efforts, I think that that's great. And I, I, could, I also think that it's great. There's so much more collaboration between private and, you know, public sector, as well as more conversations between government leaders and yeah. funders and how we can collaborate together, not competing against each other during this time of crisis. But I think it will be interesting to see how we can keep this up and also continue and make sure that some of these issues are not going to go away overnight. And we need to continue to make the investment for a long time and also give nonprofits the time to develop these plans and, and not be so focused on the, the immediate outcome, you know? So I think that, that we're, we're, we're trying to be as flexible as possible. Wow. No, that's, that's so important. And like you said, hopefully, you know, as you said, no, none of this is getting fixed overnight and it's allowed people to really see some root causes here. And now is the time where we need to dig into those because it's, we can't put a bandaid over some of these things. And we know, you know, we have to, we have to invest the time and energy um, at the, you know, the root problems to try to make things better. So kind of on that same note, um, you've spent more than 20 years bridging the nonprofit philanthropic and political spheres to address social justice challenges in Los Angeles and beyond. How are you making sense of this moment in time or history when it comes to supporting the fight for racial and social justice for the black community? I don't think anybody has like a clear answer. Um, I think I've been, you know, working at different social justice space, whether as a, you know, one of the, I don't want to say or, like organizers, but I've been in different campaigns and different, you know, um, parts of it. And also I think even, even currently, you know, a lot of the things that we're working on from philanthropy sector, we're, we're really tackling with this issue. What does it mean? But we also would want to make sure that we were not leaving anyone out. But at the same time, we need to have an equal playing field, especially for the black community. Um, and I think, you know, it, it, it's, for me, it's more of, because I'm also Asian American, you know, working on various different issues that is, is, is existing, especially with my work at um, APIP, Asian Americans, Pacific Islanders and Philanthropy, you know, um, you know, there's so many different API groups who are struggling with, you know, just currently even um, a lot of hate crime against APIs um, during this crisis. You know, I think those are so many things that I'm trying to grapple with. At the same time, we also need to show up as allies to the black community, indigenous community and other peoples of color. And it's a lot, you know, um, I think all of us are doing some soul searching and reflecting within and also some of the biases that we may or may not have towards some of these communities. And I think that needs to happen first, that we need to first kind of take a pause. And then, uh, you know, I think it's been great to see so many young, especially young people. I mean, I'm not saying other people are not, you know, coming out and being more vocal. But I think it's been so amazing to see how consistent some of these um, protests have been, actually. And, and just, and also like the messaging, um, you know, how some of those campaigns are so coordinated and, and you know, so, some people are paying attention, right? A lot of corporates are also now admitting or trying to commit to uh, some type of, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion 
type of policy. Hopefully that will in turn turn into some action eventually. That is not just a statement, but that's going to follow with true action. But I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying my best to, to set aside some of the things that I may or may not know about certain community and then kind of start from scratch again. But at the same time, I think I also want to make sure that um, some of the issues that I see um, personally <laughs> is not left out because I don't want this to be something that's trendy thing to do, right? Because all these things needs decades to even get to the bottom of the problem and a lot of it is historical um, issues that we cannot solve. But I think it starts with the conversation, but you first need to listen to see what the true problem is um, instead of, and, but I think it's hard because so many things get politicized, especially right now in the election year. So you don't know, you know, which news to follow. And it's, it's very misleading. Some of the news, if you, especially if you only rely on, you know, social media for news source, I think some, if you, if you click on one news then they'll just continue to be one type of messaging, you know, I think it's, to see all sides of the issue and see where we can make a difference first in the personal I guess sphere of influence right um, but in the, I mean in a way I'm, I'm I'm lucky to be in the job where I can actually try to make a difference as we are always our foundation is always trying to convene different voices even with our um, you know grantee property organizations um, to to make sure that you know are, are our grants like really making a difference in in their work? Um, we, we've been doing that periodically and we're gonna do so do so that even more. And in a way, I, I feel like I caught up with so many leaders for the past few months because it, it's been actually somewhat easier to coordinate since we don't have to do like in-person meetings. I bet, yeah, I bet. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I feel like I, I, I heard from so many different leaders and where things should go, but I think right now people are sort of, careful to kind of make any kind of big decisions. Um, but I think it's, it's good to make space for people to be vocal. And it's been also good to see a lot of UCLA students and alums becoming more active in the community. And I think that is sort of like the, the Bruins there, right? That I think like that's, what, that's sort of like where I learned when I was back in school about community organizing and you know, being aware of the community around you. And the reason I chose UCLA was because of the diversity you know, uh, uh, the campus and even, even more so now. And I think there's so much resource in and out of campus where people could take advantage of if you're a student, if you want to get involved in the community issues. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I think, wow, so much of what you said is just, you know, hit the nail on the head. I think, like you said, it's so important to take, like you said, just even taking that pause and being able to, you know, first start in your personal sphere and have those conversations. And like you said, it does require some reflection and soul searching and all those different things. And um, having those, you know, those thought provoking conversations with friends and colleagues and peers and learning and continuing and unlearning, right? Like all those um, different layers to it to help us really, you know, explore how to support the black community. Um, but I think, you know, another point, and you're not the first uh, alum that I've heard say this is like you said, learning that, you know, getting that spirit from UCLA and your experience and your education there is that's where people, you know, 
I think first were able to get involved in organizations or find things that they cared about contributing to. And I think that um, is so true with, you know, the service that we see when not only student, current students, but alumni, there's just that give back and support each other mentality that I think, um, like you were saying, is really has shined through strongly in this moment. So as someone who's in the business of helping others, it can be challenging at times to prioritize yourself over your work and helping the greater good. How do you find ways to take time for yourself or how do you refuel, refuel your own gas tank before filling up the gas tanks of others? I've always been a big proponent of self-care, you know, especially right now with always being on Zoom and various different emails, important to have a regular schedule. You know, I mean, I, of course, I don't, I, I'm glad that I don't have to be on the road so much driving and traffic in Los Angeles. But at the same time, I think I'm, I'm trying to be more mindful about just like, okay, when to turn off email, right? And not be still always like on call all the time, I guess. Um, and just kind of space things out and taking room for yourself to just just breathe, you know, and just like, see, see other things and just catch up with friends and family and um, just kind of making sure that um, you know when to kind of be off. <laughs> be watching a lot of Netflix for some folks, you know, music or, you know, going for a walk. Um, I mean, I, I love to travel and the fact that we can't really travel, you know, I've been watching a lot of travel shows lately and make a list of all the things that I want to, you know, all the places that I want to explore um, eventually next year, maybe. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that's, that's the only way you could keep up. But at the same time, I think, um, you know, I, I am sort of taking the time to also be thankful. I think that's really important to try to find things that you could be thankful, especially within, you know, during this crisis moment, you could always try to find a positive aspect of any situation. And I think somehow I, I kind of train myself to do that. I mean, I'm not, you know, perfect at it, but um, I think that's how I've been coping um, for, especially for the past few months. Yeah. No, I, I, I hear you. I, I think that's something that I've heard from a lot of people too, that are kind of in this space, especially in nonprofit or even in the higher education world. And just when you are, you know, when your work is, you know, helping others and supporting people, like it's, it's been even more challenging than even in our normal day to day, I think to, to find those boundaries and to have, you know, do self-care. And like you said, the, the logging off has become so much more difficult, I think for so many of us. So my final question um, that we always end our conversations with is, since leaving UCLA, how has your career and life experiences shaped how you define success? Success is something that I think is hard to say. I mean, everybody has a different definition, right? And for me, I always thought like, oh, I'm not successful enough. Like I always looked up towards, I, I felt like I always needed a mentor who have went through similar experiences as me, but then I think you could have different successes along the way, you know? And I mean, there are, there have been many times where I kind of had to like ask myself, like, you know, every few years, is this, this is what I want. You know, I think it's getting harder actually when you're you know, in, in, right after college, you're like, I always like had a goal every year. And I feel like I was lucky enough to also kind of achieve those goals and, and kind of meet the right people, you know? But I think 
since UCLA, I think just having different experiences have really helped me to be have a broader perspective. You know, um, I think, you know, and I, I realize that more so now, especially after joining the Alumni Association Board and, and kind of doing a sort of reflection back at I call my path, you know, led to my current position and, and my, you know, my current job. And, and, and I'm like, you know what, there's, there's, there was a benefit to being in such a big university. I mean, at the time, like, of course, it was, in the beginning, it was so hard to adjust because it was so huge. And, you know, you, you kind of are, are on your own, right? Um, and I wish I knew all the resources that I know now uh, when I was a student. Um, but I think that sort of helped me to become more resilient and more independent to figure it out. And if it doesn't work, then try something else. Um, you know, it's, it's okay to fail. Um, it's also okay to ask questions. Um, and I think that's been sort of like my thing where I mean, you gotta try something at least once and, and see if it's the right fit. If not, then, you know, there is another path. Um, but I think sometimes I, I tend to also be very self-critical, right? I think most of, most of us are very, um, yeah, or we're, we become like perfectionists, especially um, when you're trying to make some difference in a world where this, I mean, philanthropy, when I first got in, I wasn't even sure if I needed to, you know, like a lot of things I learned, I, I learned on the job. I mean, back then there was no like, class in philanthropy. Now I know there's some several universities which was offering it. There's the sector is a little bit more well known in the community now. And there's like actually associations and trade or organizations that are kind of teaching and also mentoring leaders. And, and I've been in some of those cohorts and that's been really great um, to have other peers who come from like all walks of life. And I think I, that's what I love about my, about my industry that, you know, there's no one straight path to you know get in and, and and you could kind of go in and out of the sector and there's so much diversity and perspective um but at the same time you know and if, if i want to continue on this leadership path what does that mean and you know i think the sector is changing i mean it will change even more after this you know pandemic is over because there's so many issues that the sector also has to deal with when it comes to professional development you know um how to, how to um, you know, I guess, you know, what, what does the leadership pipeline look like? Uh, a lot of people are asking, do I even want to be a leader in this sector? Or some people might want to choose to go back into the community work. Because I know some of my friends, they want to be more of an organizer rather than being sort of like, you know, one step removed. So, you know, I think, I think success, it, it depends. <laughs> Yeah, I think, I think we just need to like decide, like, are we happy? You know, are we making the choices that we're making? Is that the right kind of choice to whatever, you know, short-term goals that we have currently? And, and I don't know, I feel like it, there was a moment during this crisis of like, okay, I'm such a, like, I like to plan out different things and now all that's out the door. And maybe this is a good time for me to reflect, to see what's my top priority. And what is my boundary, right? I think a lot of people talk about personal boundaries or professional boundaries. And I think that's important in any, any stage of life. And I think in, in a way, this is, we're, we're all being forced to do that right now. 
And it's, it's never happened. I mean, I don't remember a time like this in my lifetime where all of us were sort of like forced to do this. But I think something, you know, there's always something positive that comes out of a crisis moment. So um, hopefully it'll be more clear in terms of where we're all headed. Um, even with my work, I'm sure that's gonna, even right now, like how I'm just conducting daily business, I'm being more mindful about some of the things, some of the questions that I'm asking of these nonprofit leaders, some of the expectations that we should have and what it really truly means to be a real partner. And that in itself, I think, can be, you know, different factors that lead to success, whatever that means, right? Well, I mean, I think I can speak for everyone when I say that you are a success, Kathy, and you are successful. And I think that, um, like you said, people reaching out for, to, you know, want to be mentored by you and things like that. I think that speaks to all that you've accomplished um, and all you've done in your career so far. Um, so I definitely think you, you know, you are right up there in the ranks with all, you know, any of the other alumni we've interviewed in terms of someone who has made a, a real difference in, in our community. So, um, you know, you are for sure successful in our eyes. Um, and I just want to thank you so much for your time and our conversation today. I really enjoyed um, learning more about your journey and, you know, hearing more about your work in philanthropy. And I think so many people will, um, you know, appreciate the insights and um, hearing more about your story. Um, and secondly, thank you once again for all you do on our Alumni Association Board of Directors. We are so grateful to have alumni like you who are, you know, really leading the way in terms of bringing um, more positive change and good things for UCLA and the next generation. So thank you for all you do on our board and all the time and energy you um, commit to, yeah, making UCLA a better place for all of us. Well, thank you for your kind words. I really enjoy being on the board and it's been a really great learning experience to even learn from others on the board about their experiences. It's been a very humbling experience, but at the same time, I felt like I really um, have come, come, home, come back home to, to a family. So it's been great to kind of be part of it and also to you know meet you and several other amazing leaders on campus. So I hope to see you once again in person in the near future. Right, definitely. Yes. Yeah, thank you for this time and also just highlighting several other alum. Absolutely. And will help um, the, all, the entire Bruin community in one way or another. Yes, hopefully. And yeah, we are, we are so lucky to have you. So thank you so much. You've been listening to Bruin Success. Our guest this week was Kathy Choi of the Eisner Foundation. You can find more information on Kathy in the description of the episode. Follow Alumni Career Engagement on Instagram and Facebook to keep up with Bruin Success. If you enjoyed our podcast, subscribe to it, tell a friend, or share your appreciation on social media. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time when we're back with Paco Ritana of Wellnest. This podcast was made possible by UCLA alumni.